0: Shared services is about building a business, a business that delivers services inside the organization at a cost, at a quality, and with a timeliness that is competitive with alternative ways of doing the same thing. That means putting a business model on top of consolidation. And the reality is most shared services fail when they fail to look at this as a business. It's an internal business that has to deliver value, and has to do that repeatedly, time after time, to maintain its viability. That's how you start with shared services. So make that decision first. In my experience, people who have thought about shared services as an internal business, irrespective of how they ultimately account for that, have been the most successful. And maintaining that is a metaphor for every single thing you do in your Shared Services Centre, is absolutely key to having something that is truly sustainable. So, those are the fundamental reasons, efficiency and effectiveness of internal service provision, creating it on a business-like basis, ultimately what will make you successful or otherwise. There's another really good reason which causes many companies to turn to Shared Services, And that is actually the opposite mode, which is a fast-growing expansionary mode or an acquisitive mode. Many companies today are growing essentially through acquisitions. And my goodness me, isn't an acquisition a lot easier to do when you already know from day one, you don't need to take over all of the administration of that company you're acquiring. You can fold that instantly into a well-honed, well-managed business called your Shared Services Center. So companies that are acquisitive, moving from country to country, are finding their acquisitions a lot easier. There is no question about whether the new company integrates. It's integrated on day one into a well-run, well-managed business called a Shared Services Center. That is another wonderful reason not to build country-by-country infrastructures and then have to dismantle them later at a lot of expense and a lot of disruption. Don't build them in the first place. Fold new companies straight into your shared service center. I recall sitting a while back with uh, 16 finance executives from a large corporation, and they were saying, yeah, we're absolutely going to put financial shared services in because we want to reduce the costs in our organization. No problem. Well, what do you want to achieve? Well, we want to achieve a 30% reduction in providing finance-related services within our company. That was a terrific thing to aspire to. At that particular point, I drew the conversation to a close and asked, would five of you sitting at that end of the table please leave the room? And they of course, they said, no, why are we going to do that? Well, no, no, please leave the room. said, no, why are we going to do that? Well, you did say you want to have a 30% reduction in your finance-related services. That's what it means. It means less people, essentially. So, well, that's not quite what we intended to do. Well, in that case... Don't even bother with your initiative. In fact, the reality is that most companies consolidating replicator services across a company is almost a seasonal, a seasonal activity. A very wise man many years ago gave me a wonderful little device. And on one side of that device it said, centralization starts here. When you spun it around, on the other side it said, decentralization starts here. So consolidation consisting of centralization and decentralization is, as many of us have realized, when you've lived through a few cycles in the corporate world, is just a regular activity. It's a flow of activity and control from the center to the outside, to the countries or to the business units, and all the way back again. That is a wonderful thing to do, but that is absolutely not shared services. Let's talk about the right people that start at the top this time. Who are the right people at the top? Well, just because you have a terrific finance person who really understands finance, is this the right person to lead your shared services center? I don't think so. Not unless this person is also an outstanding general manager, not unless this person is an outstanding individual who understands what it takes to run a service business. When we're talking about shared services leaders, the number one issue that comes up is that Headhunters get called in usually at the third phase of failure of shared services. In the first place, a wonderful person to do these projects is somebody who really understands a company and really understands the finance function how it works in the company. Wonderful for running a project. On the other hand, running a shared service center, remember, It's about running a service business, understanding what it takes to deliver services at a cost and quality and timeliness that's competitive, and understanding how to motivate a large-scale organization of anything from 50 to 500 or 1,000 or 2,000 people. Is that your best finance guy? I don't think so. Now, if as a leader, you understand how to spell finance and can do the sums, that is absolutely terrific. But in essence, it's about motivating a service company. That is what you're doing when you're running a shared services center. So don't just put your best accountant in charge, unless you know that your best accountant is also a great general manager of a service business. What about the other people that work in this service business? Well, If you worked in the back office, finance function, or HR function for many, many years, and have always known what you thought your customers needed, and you attempt to deliver things the same way as before, you're setting yourself up for failure. Understand, of course, what the products are, what it is you need to deliver, what people really value, and deliver just that, and deliver it with the right attitude and the right behaviour. As we said in our earlier piece, setting up shared services processing systems is, you know, six week job, or if you're really complicated, six month job, but Changing attitudes and behaviors is not a six-week job. I've never, ever seen a single shared services unit that attempts to use many of the same people that were previously members of the functions that are now in shared services, that has been able to change attitudes and behaviors to a service-mindedness that is appropriate for shared services in under two years. So make no promises. If you're going to keep most of your people who were there before, make sure you give yourself plenty of time to change behaviors and attitudes to turn this into a service business. Make sure, too, that you give yourself plenty of financial backing to make sure that you can also outplace people who absolutely will not fit into this environment over a long period of time. I always put in training, but remember just one thing. Skills and knowledge comes with experience and time and learning. Attitudes and particularly behaviors are inherent to the individual. and So don't attempt to change the impossible do something different about it. If you really feel you don't have the right people in place, go to another location where you can rebuild from scratch. Take the hit, painful as it is, do it. Otherwise, you will never build a shared services center that has the right people in place to deliver in a service-minded manner. While we're on the subject of location, who decides where you go to? Where's the ideal place to go to? Well, I can tell you, certainly not corporate headquarters. Why is that? Because everybody who is not in corporate headquarters immediately believes that what you're doing is really a corporate initiative. It's a centralization. It's nothing to do about delivering services that you really need and value. So headquarters tend to make rather poor shared services center locations. Go to what they say a brownfield site or an existing site for your company. Well, of course, most people instantly think that the guys who are on site will get the best service and everybody else will not. So think about independent locations for shared services. Consult your favorite local development organizations. And this is not just to do with, as the consultants say, leveraging cost arbitrage or whatever else fancy words they put to it. It's about finding the right people who can deliver the right level of service Shared services is much more than just about consolidation to gain efficiency and effectiveness. It's also predominantly about running a business. Think about the people and think about the processes and the systems that it incorporates. I can tell you right from day one that if you and I were to go into a shared services center or even start up a shared services, you and I could sit together and within a matter of two weeks to four weeks, we could have the ideal system designed for your company. We could put the ideal processes in place. There is not a single thing particularly if you look across the complex structures across the whole of Europe, there's not a single question that has not already been answered when it comes to setting up a shared services centre. So the principles are all very straightforward and simple enough. Nothing to be gained here that could not be done over two to four weeks. The real problem with shared services is people. It's the people that are no longer required because you require less people to run your shared services. And it is the changes in behaviour and attitudes that comes from delivering shared services at a cost, quality and timeliness that's more competitive compared to alternatives. In other words, running a business. Running a business is not really a part of your mindset when you're sitting there in accounts payable and processing transactions. You don't think of it, we're here because we're here, because we're an important part of the company, and indeed you are or were. Today, however, we think about everything to think about running a business. And that has a different attitude to it. And the primary attitude is making sure you keep your customers businesses tend not to be very useful without customers. The same thing applies to shared services. If we look at the failures over the last few years, and there have been many, the failures have occurred because shared services has failed to treat the people its services as its customers. So how do you set up true client relationships? Well, first of all, Deliver products that people need and value and are willing to pay for at a cost and quality that's competitive with alternatives. So how do you define your products? Where's your product manager? I'm not suggesting you suddenly create a massive infrastructure to parallel your organization. But somebody somewhere has to understand what people need, has to be able to understand and define that need in terms of the words that the customer values, and then has to decide how to deliver those services. That's all part of the shared services story. But it's not enough. People need to understand what it is they're getting. I can tell you, I've gone into a situation where I've gone with some head of shared services who's gone to a customer and said, well, you know, now you're going to buy this particular service from us and we are going to sell that to you as your supplier. This is what it's going to cost you. Guess what the other person said? Well, of course, it would say it's too expensive, but actually it didn't cost you anything before. Well, you need your head testing, don't you, as a business person, to think that something you got before was for free and now you're having to pay for it. The reality is, even before you start your shared service center, might be a good idea to find out what it actually costs today to deliver those same services. So you can then go back and say, now it's going to cost you $110, that particular service, in the old days when you didn't even see what it cost because it was hidden somewhere was costing $150. So today, whether you accept that or not, you are getting the service at a lower cost than you got it before. And by the way, the quality is just as good because we actually care about whether you want to have that particular service or not. And by the way, if you don't need that particular service, we're not going to provide it. It's not only about delivering services that people need of value, but not delivering those that people don't want is an important part of the whole sequence. Wonderful examples of this aren't there, particularly in things like HR shared services, where HR knows best. And we've always wanted training in that particular area. Therefore, we'll put that training right across the whole company. Does the whole company need it? Does it value it? Are the business people prepared to pay? We don't care because we know what's best in HR. Well, that is no longer acceptable within a shared services context. There is another side to it, of course. And it isn't just about giving the customer what he wants. It's also about making sure that you can deliver that at a cost and quality that's competitive so it often means not doing some things you know when you ring up dell and remember dell's business model is we'll give you these very basic things and we'll give it to you at the best possible price right what happens if you want another printer other than the one that's in the dell catalog you ring up dell and you say dell very nice i love those printers in your catalog but what i really want is a squiggly jig zima where they say well i'm sorry but we don't do squiggly zimas i'm sorry we're not prepared to sell you that Please go somewhere else. And why? It's because it keeps Dell's business model intact. So do not do stuff in your shared services centers that completely disfigure that center, cause you to take on additional work that you are not fit to do or no longer wish to do because it disrupts your business model, and have your customer buy it from somewhere else if they're absolutely willing to pay the price. Or to say, if you want that service from me, I can provide it for you, but it's going to cost you 10 times more than the normal day-to-day stuff that you want to buy. So these are just basic business principles, aren't they? So maintaining that is absolutely key in the kind of things you deliver and the kind of things you don't deliver. That means establishing relationships with your clients. Where exactly is your client relationship manager here? Now, I'm not suggesting a fleet of client relationship managers, but somebody somewhere in that unit that you have has to take responsibility for managing relationship with a particular client or a group of clients. That's also part of building an effective shared services center.